You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Lord, we love you. We're here for you. And we give you place. Holy Spirit, be our teacher tonight. We know that as we gather, we do so with um, a lot on our mind. We, grew, we woke up in a world that puts a lot on our mind. And uh, Lord, we pray for our, our country. Uh, we pray for the division. We pray for, uh, Lord, just the lawlessness. We pray for the fear. Uh, we pray against this virus, this pandemic. Lord, we pray that you would um, free us up and heal us up. And uh, more than anything, we pray that we would, as Christians, continue to be who you've called us to be. We pray that faith in you would be a maturing, growing, persevering faith, as we've been studying, um, that would allow us to be what you've called us to be as your kids, as your bride, as the body of Christ, and that fear would not determine the outcome of our day, wouldn't dictate uh, decisions, uh, but our faith in you, we would be... Uh, following you as our Lord, that your word would be speaking to us, that Holy Spirit, you would be directing us. Uh, Lord, for those who are, um, man, they're dealing with any health issues, underlying health issues, uh, concerns as it relates to just living in a world with a pandemic, would you please, please bring them peace and comfort and strength and, and healing, Lord, if they need that as well. And um, we pray that as we continue to allow you to navigate us through this season that we would have a, a great just collective confidence in your ability to take care of your church and that we would just give you glory uh, along the way. Uh, we pray as we go through these days where um, politics are, are just at, on the headlines. An election is on the, the headlines. I pray that we would become more spiritual and not more political. I pray that, that you would be winning over our hearts and we would be about the kingdom. And uh, we would be um, blood-bought, children of God, living in America. And uh, so grateful for this country, Lord. That's what we're praying for it and praying for our leaders, from our president to our governor, Lord, to uh, even our local authorities here. Lord, bless them. Uh, draw them to you. Uh, use them, Lord. Um, as they are caretakers of our lives. And uh, we say this with reverence and respect. And we pray that leaders that don't know you, man, they would find you. And, and, and may that begin in the house of God <laughs> across America and in homes, but in cities, um, in, in counties, in Congress. And say, Lord, just may people find you. You are the answer. Uh, and so we just, we trust you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So uh, why don't you go ahead and, and have a seat. Find a seat here. I'm going to invite up tonight. We're going to have a panel uh, discussion. So I'm going to invite up a couple of pastors from our church here as well. Uh, Jay Vallejo will be on my left. And Jay pastors overseas, I should say. the uh... Jay, what do you do anymore? I just, I can't remember. It's... High school and our interns and, uh, and, and a whole lot more. Uh, Francelle as well oversees our children's ministry and uh, marriage ministry stuff and counseling and teaching a counseling class right now on yes. Monday night for uh, a lot of people wanting to come in and learn about 
biblical counseling. So yep. you want to talk maybe a little bit about how that, how's that going? <laughs> it's going well. We have, uh, this is our fourth time around in the past six years that we've uh, taught this class. It, um, it grows every time. We have about 50 people that uh, are attending that. and All social distanced, of course. Yes, yes all yes. social distanced. It's in a big room, yes. But uh, we go through just what is biblical counseling and um, always obviously start off with Isaiah 9-6. He's the counselor, mm. you know, and he's um, our wonderful counselor. You know, also in Isaiah 11-2 talks about that the Spirit gives us counsel. So... Um, mm. Learning how to do that is, uh, is uh, a blessing and allowing God to move in these classes and any sessions that we might have as well. So, yeah. so what have you been doing, Jay? <clears throat> Going to his class. <laughs> it's, it's been wonderful, huh? Yeah, it's, and it's neat because, uh, like he's saying, he's giving the scriptures, but uh, one of the things uh, about counseling is, is the emphasis isn't just on counselor here at church a lot of times you talk about counseling and say okay it's going to be a leader it's going to be some pastoral counsel and really the call for all people to learn how to counsel because God's going to put people in your lives that he brings into you that have issues and and it's not for you to just say hey go go find a church go find some leaders uh, sometimes God puts you in that position so that you can handle that situation begin to encourage them uh, in their walk with the Lord. Yeah. A lot of people probably wonder what we do around here during the day. And we have a lot of new people. Why don't you guys, uh, what do we do around here during the day? <laughs> well, we have uh, our porch ministry that happens on a daily basis. It's been happening since uh, March 16th, right? The 15th was that Sunday. March 16th, we had people show up and um, we got a list together right away of um, people that needed something delivered. <clears throat> And uh, we tapped into something that we were already doing. We had what we called Hands of Hope, and we kind of just transitioned it into porch ministry. Hands of Hope is something that we would give uh, to our body and, and local community, uh, just simple needs that they would have, canned foods, water, any of these other things. And we grabbed all those resources and started day one with porch ministry, and that's continued to today. We have a list of I don't know, over 150 families that we visit on a, on a weekly basis that um, they love our visits. We pray with them. We uh, give them some water, give them whatever that the church would bring in to our pantry. We, we just give it back to our, our body. And um, some of these people, um, yeah, they haven't been out. They haven't been back. But um, it's usually people with underlying health conditions and the elderly. And so... We respect that, and we love them, and we continue to go out to them. we got a, a group of gals, too, that come in, women that come in and, yeah. and cook, make us lunch. Yes. And make cookies and bread, and that, yes. that all goes out as well. That's Absolutely. That's kind of a cool thing to do. And then uh, we also have a lot of our um, the, the, the classes and the teaching settings that we had before uh, the stay-home order. We uh, continued that online. We, we built another studio on the other end of the property. So we have yes. a lot of people coming in and recording uh, their teachings. We have our children's ministry as well that yes. continues to record the teachings as people are listening to us live uh, from their homes. Their kids can, of course, watch the uh, children's class. 
absolutely. We have junior high, high school, Japanese, Spanish. We have all those to get recorded and uh, put on our app, our website, uh, all the social media. And we haven't stopped. We haven't stopped equipping the body of Christ. Yeah. We, we realize, too, as you guys are watching online, uh, that we are seeing, you know, they give us the analytics and, you know, uh, you know, good service. We, we, I don't know, we have maybe uh, 150, a couple hundred homes watching per service, but uh, we're up well above 1,000 uh, homes that we think we're in, uh, each of these services. So uh, we're, we're humbled by that. We're grateful, and that's why we try to address you guys. We, you know, we do pray for you uh, each day. And we do ministry with uh, the online audience in mind as well. But uh, as more and more people are wanting in-person settings on campus here, uh, we're glad to see them back as well. And, mm -hmm. right, guys, that's yeah. been an exciting thing. Yeah. Um, and um, for you out there that, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be hot this weekend, but we do have some uh, air-conditioned options. Uh, just, just trust us with that. There's just some air-conditioned uh, options. That, what did I call those earlier? Cooling stations. Cooling stations. We've got some cooling stations. Some people are sitting in a cooling station right now around the, around the place. So uh, those, are, those are good uh, climatized, you know, stations. So uh, to you that are in those uh, cooling stations, welcome as well. Uh, we pray you're comfortable and climatized. And... Um, what else? We talked last night. We got a bunch of leaders together, and we, we talked did. about fall and, and some yes. events we're going to be doing outside in our tent and uh, Christmas and all these things. So uh, we're we're excited. I'll talk to uh, the in-house audience here a little bit after our uh, time here. But tomorrow night we have uh, we had a steak and study with all the guys, and all the girls got really jealous about that. You guys, yes. uh, you guys know that they were really bummed out, and so uh, I, I felt obligated to offer the women a stake and study. So that is tomorrow night. Uh, but it is going to kick off you girls. Let me just make sure I say this right. Um, you are starting your women's Bible studies. Um, the first one will be tomorrow night. And you're going to be going through Am Ann Graham Lott's book, uh, Pursuing More Love, or Pursuing More of Jesus. So the options, important for all of you online and on our property here as well, uh, Tomorrow night, they're going to kick it off with the meal, and us guys will be serving up the meal. Yep. And there's still uh, some sign-up options. I think you could show up even tomorrow night, and there'll be some, a few available. But uh, you can watch the study live, uh, or you can watch it in your home live. And then following the study, they're going to have a breakout session, and they're going to have someone Zoom that breakout session with Q&A. And then Friday morning, there's going to be a whole bunch of homes uh, that girls have opened up, allowing small groups to come, and they're actually going to watch the, the Bible study from Thursday night, and then in their group setting, they're going to have the Q&A period. So uh, the girls are basically trying to outdo us, aren't they? They're just, uh, and I think they are, so we're going to have to step up our game. Yeah, one detail on that, because I know when we first put it out there, it was, that, it was at 630 but it's not at 6.30. If you're coming for the meal, it's at 5.45. 5.45. 5.45. If you're coming for the meal, be here at 5.45. The teaching will still be at 6.30 if you just want to come for the teaching. Awesome, awesome. So God continues to give us vision. We pray, uh, I know, as a, a staff with our volunteers every day that show up. And we, we, have that, we haven't missed that prayer. We pray for vision and wisdom 
and favor and health. And we pray for you guys. And uh, we've seen God give us just uh, incredible favor. We've been able to just continue to be the church. And, uh, and, and God has been faithful. Also, uh, I mentioned on Sunday to pray for uh, our disaster relief ministry. Um, we, uh, we got a couple that went out and uh, found what we believe to be a, a location in Louisiana. Uh, De Quincey, Louisiana. 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 Uh, but uh, more details forthcoming on that, so I'll let you know uh, for you that have signed up and would like to go and help do some uh, disaster relief ministry following the devastation of Hurricane Laura. Um, but we've got a church over there that's kind of opening their arms, and we're just having those conversations. And uh, we'll be feeding the people and uh, helping clean out houses and cut trees down and all that kind of stuff. So. Pray about that. If you'd like to be part of that, you can go to uh, calvarydisasterrelief.org and uh, fill out the information there, and then uh, one of our guys will get back to you on that. But this evening, we're going to have a panel discussion here on the life of Moses, as is recounted uh, by the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11. So let's turn our Bibles here or in your home uh, over to Hebrews 11, and we're going to pick up... In verse 23 here. And uh, let me have one of you guys read that. Verses 23 through 29. We'll just get right into it. It says, uh, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, because they saw that he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. All through chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews is highlighting faith. And not just faith in faith, but faith in God. And in chapter 11, he is giving us 17 examples, 17 Old Testament patriarchs who displayed a faith that we would admire, a faith that, that was heroic, uh, a faith that was displayed, a faith that persevered, it pushed on through something. And so um, the recipients of this letter were, were Christians, been saved, they were born again, they were, they were Jews that were practicing Judaism, raised in Jewish homes, and, and someone told them about Jesus, they put their faith in him, uh, were converted, were born again, transformed, and were following him. And then mounting pressures. From the outside, there was definitely in the early church era, there was a lot of pressure from Rome. Wasn't popular, wasn't easy. Could cost you your life to be a Christian. But specifically, as you read through the letter, you get the idea that um, there were a lot of pressures from their family members, pressure from their Jewish community. 
And, and some of you that have been saved and maybe raised in a different, you know, religion other than what you find yourself having today in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know that, that friends from that past or relatives from that um, other previous religious experience, they, they don't sometimes like that. And sometimes they'll push back about that and say, hey, you, need, you need to come back. And as you write, go through the, the, the book of Hebrews, you realize that, man, they were being like pressured to come back into Judaism. And, and, and living in Israel, living around Jerusalem especially, that would have been tough. Man, don't you, don't you just miss it when, you know, Passover comes around and, and the family gets together? And don't you miss going to, uh, you know, the, the, the temple and the sacrifices and the priests that we had? Don't you miss the law? And, and don't you, the, the Moses and just who he was to you? And all of that was what they were tempted to go back to. But as we said, when you walk away from Christianity, never forget this. You walk away from a person. You walk away from the person of Christ. And there is nothing more important than Jesus. There's nothing more important than the person of Christ in our life. And so for the first 10 chapters leading up to chapter 11, of course, he is, the writer of Hebrews, is showing the supremacy of Christ. That he is supreme to Abraham. He is supreme to the law. He's supreme to the old covenant. He's supreme to Moses. He is is supreme to any high priest you ever had. And so in chapter 3, the writer of Hebrews already dealt with, with Moses. He already was like showing them that Jesus is superior to Moses. And, And to the Jewish mind, this is important. It really sets up why we are in awe of Moses' faith. But to the Jewish mind, Moses was like the patriarch of patriarchs. This is the guy that like God talked to like face to face. This is the guy, how many of us can say, you know, yeah, I hung out with God and he spoke to me from a burning bush and told me, you know, take the sandals off my feet, we're going to have a heart to heart. None of us. Moses could say, yeah, it happened to me. And, and oh, by the way, while I was there, he was talking to me about hearing the cries of of his people two and a half million of them who had been in bondage them their fathers their forefathers for 400 years in Egypt how he had heard their cries and that he was going to send me to deliver them and he was going to like use me to lead them towards the promised land all Jews knew this about about Moses they knew that Moses went to Pharaoh 10 times went to well, we'll get into the story, but we'll save some of these points for just a minute. But he would go to Pharaoh and ten times say, you need to let God's people go or this plague is going to come upon you. Those plagues followed what Moses said. The final plague, the life of the firstborn of every Egyptian household would lead to Pharaoh releasing the people as God had told Moses he would do. They looked at this man and went, God uses this guy. They knew what it was like for God to use Moses to say, stick out your staff and the Red Sea is going to part. They, they, they knew what it was like to, to, to see him hold that staff and the water stand apart. They knew about that. This man who, who talked to God on Mount Sinai, this man who we received from God the Ten Commandments, that these people were all about. So they revered him, and they revered his faith. They did. And so what 
a great example. He's already talked about Jesus is more superior. Don't run from Jesus, the person of Christ, the relationship that you have with him, back to anything. Don't run back to Moses. Don't put your faith in him, in the law, and the keeping of the laws as, as what you used to practice for right standing with God. You have right standing with God because you put faith in his son. Now we come to chapter 11, and Moses is used in a very unique way, a different way than in chapter 3. He's used as an example of one who had faith. Let's look at the faith of this guy. But in order to really understand the faith of Moses, we've got to look at the origin of his faith. And the origin of his faith, well, the spotlight is put on his his parents. I I think namely the storyline, Jochebed, his his mother. And the storyline is this, and I'll let these guys speak in a few minutes, but the storyline, they're all like, I got some stuff to say, Lance, but the storyline is this. I want to set it up this way. We all woke up today. We're the people of God. And the king, whom we build his supply cities, two and a half million of us, all we've known is slavery. Our dads have only known slavery. Grandpa and great-grandpa, only slavery. But the king is like, there's too many of you Hebrews, too many of you people of God. I'm making a decree. Every time a Hebrew boy is born, kill him. And the Hebrew midwives went, we're not going to do that. So now you've got these little guys running around that should have been put to death. And he's like, grab them all and throw them in the, in the Nile River. And that's when it says, really, in the early part of Exodus, I'll let Jay speak to this. He's got some historical background as well. That, that they're like, we're not, <laughs> you know, we're not going to do that. And Moses' parents refused to do that. So, Jay, why don't you give a little background on that? <clears throat> so, early part of uh, the book of Exodus in, in chapter 1, uh, what we have is that we have uh, this decree going out, uh, exactly what you said, that they were to kill the, the male children. And as you look into chapter 2, what happens is now they're, he's commanded, since they didn't do that, to throw these, um, these babies into the, the river. Um, they don't do that. You have his parents, and this is what's drawn out, and now we're going to get into uh, verse 23, because this is what the writer of Hebrews is really keen in on, is, is the parents. And the parents um, making a decision that they're not going to follow along with this decree that goes out. And so they, they put um, Moses in, in this basket, in this ark, and they, they put him into the, the reeds there, and, and Pharaoh's daughter is out there in, in the river, uh, ends up seeing this baby and, and, and the baby's crying and she's moved with compassion uh, because she sees this baby and, and it's crying and she takes the baby in and ends up then turning and calling the, the parents to come, uh, the mom to come and to nurse uh, this child. And um, some of the history that you're, you're talking about, you know, history tells us that uh, what happened at this point is Moses is adopted into uh, this family under, under Pharaoh's daughter. Um, Pharaoh also had a son, and his son, though, was, was going to be heir to the throne, but he had some uh, mental handicap. 
he also had some physical handicaps. And so when Pharaoh died and the, his son was put in place, it was really the daughter or Moses' adopted mom that was the one that was actually leading. And what happened is that she decided that she was going to marry Moses off to her daughter uh, once the, her brother died, once Pharaoh died, then she would marry him off and then he would become the uh, king, uh, rightful, rightful Pharaoh. And so that's the history uh, behind that. I'm not going to even attempt the names of the Pharaoh nor, nor <laughs> Moses' adopted mom because I'll mess it up. Um, but that's the history uh, behind that. Yeah. So put the spotlight on the faith of the parents again. Yeah. And we can't really picture any more dark days than when all political figures are like, okay, with taking the life of these newborns. Could there be any more dark days? No. no. And so Adiram, the dad, Jochebed, his mom, are, are married. They're wed in days, very dark days. And what would that be like for younger parents to hear that decree? And you're like, we're not, we're not going to do that. And so the spotlight is put on the faith of his parents for a reason. We'll get to that. But the spotlight was put on the faith by faith. Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. And it wasn't just because he was beautiful, as it says here, in the sense that we would recognize that. There was something, the Hebrew structure of this, many scholars believe they're talking about, they just saw something unique in, in the child that God gave them. Like this is a gift from God. God's got a purpose for this, this guy's life is the whole idea. And then it says they were not afraid of the king's command. Yeah, you, you spoke about the midwives and um, you talked about the midwives um, having civil disobedience. So the parents did too. You know, and we, 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 we come across that a lot of like, is it okay to lie? Well, God tells us he hates liars. He hates to lie. He tells us that in Proverbs 6. But this verse right here, in, in um, this verse, in the verse in Exodus chapter 2, uh, was one of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's main subjects when he, when he was really thinking about the time he was living at. He was a German pastor during World War II that loved Jews. And he, he struggled through this integrity thing, like, am I going to lie or am I going to tell the truth? You know, I, he had this deep conviction to be uh, a man of integrity that he would, he would, he, to the point where he said when he lied, it really hurt him. But then he, hey, the scripture actually commends these people and actually because they're lying or they're, they're having civil disobedience to save a life. And the cool thing of that is we see God affirming that because... He, God honored their civil disobedience yes. and they multiplied greatly to where Pharaoh was like, man, the more I, I try to attack these people of God and have them do something contrary to the will of God, yes. the more their God blesses them. Yes. And he knew, right, Moses' parents lived in this, the, the midwives and Dietrich Bonhoeffer knew that this, this world is not going to have perfect answers for us we live in a very fallen world that not everything is black and white 
But we, we have to uh, look to this. In, in, in God here, I, I love that he says that, they, that the parents were not afraid of the king's command, like to the point where I'm not going to fear that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God would have us to do, and that's to save this life. And, you know, Psalm, 40, Psalm 37, verse 3 and 4 talks about trusting in the Lord. And he talks, when I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. And I think about what greater desires would a mom have than to wean, to, to nurse their baby. And because of their faith, they got to, she got to nurse this baby and get paid for it. So we talked about the faith of the parents. Little did they know that this little three-month-old boy, little did they know that he would grow up and he would grow up in Pharaoh's house. They didn't know that. And they made, when, when Jochebed makes the ark and puts him in the ark, she had no idea where that ark would take him, where God was going to take him. No idea that he would grow up in Pharaoh's house. No idea that he would have to flee Pharaoh's house because he would murder an Egyptian. No idea that he would flee and one day encounter God in a burning bush. No idea that that little baby boy, that, by the way, when she puts him in that, that ark and lets him go, it was Pharaoh's daughter and her servants that saw him and brought him to mom, as Jay was talking about, or to, to Pharaoh's daughter, excuse me. And she's like, this is beautiful. Now, Moses would have a, a sister and a brother, Little did Aniram and, and Jochebed know that their other son would become a priest. Little did they know that Miriam, the daughter, would become a prophetess. But they, they assigned Miriam as a younger girl to watch out. And so as they were like looking at this little Hebrew boy, boy and just gawking over him like I gawk over Ezra, they're like, he's so cute, look at you, look at you. he's cute, he's a Hebrew kid. And, and, and Miriam pops up out of the bushes over him. Uh, is that a Hebrew? You know what? I can help. I can get one of the Hebrew midwives and, and like help you, you know, nurture this kid along. And they're like, he's so cute. That'd be a great idea. You know what? If you'll do that, we'll, we'll pay for that Hebrew midwife to actually raise and rear that child. Now think about this. You can't write that script. You cannot write that script. But I want you to think about this. So detailed is our God that from this little baby who would be raised in that home, he would use to lead this nation to a land. In that land, ultimately a Messiah would come and he would die on a cross for you. As God arranged all of those little things, God who sees the, the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, he had me on mind, he had you in mind. This is his plan. This is his redemptive plan moving forward. What was Moses' parents' part? To enact the faith. To, to, to take, because the highlight, the, the, the spotlight is on their faith. Their faith was like, God's will for our life, that's what we're going to do today. The, the faith we have today, we're putting into practice today. What I believe in God today, I'm putting into practice today. 
And look what God did. Look how he, what he honored. And so they would go, yeah, yeah, Miriam, go, go get us a Hebrew midwife. Who do you think she goes to? She goes to Jochebed. She gets his mom. Hey, here's one. And, 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 <laughs> I'll help. And so Moses is brought back into his own home. That's the idea. And there I said on Sunday, there in, a, in an Egyptian slave hut, this, this great liberator would be reared in the ways of the Lord. He would learn about his parents. God, he'd learn about God. And you know, we have parents that have a bunch of different excuses, challenges with time and whatever, and they, they, they limit what God would like to do in and through their lives in influencing their kids or their grandkids' faith. And what's true for a parent can be true for a school teacher, the, 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 us here in the body of Christ. I, I've been, every time I run into someone from our church who pre-COVID-19 served in children's ministry, and they're like, we can't wait till the kids come back. I can't wait to go minister. And I'm like, they're still alive. They still have an address. They still have a phone number. They would just give anything for you to just drop in and have porch ministry with them. Take them a cupcake. They'll love you forever. Give them a Bible study. Pray with this. The, the privilege to influence. That's what God's putting the spotlight on here. And so this, this, this all happens. And, and, and we can't miss this, that this... God's deliverance for a nation was starting to develop through the faith of, of two parents. And then we move, you know, forward and, and, and you know, maybe practically as, Jay, how, are you, how old are your kids now? Uh, 19, 17, and 14. They have grown. Yours? 22, 24, 26 and 27. So we, we, we have adult kids. Well, Jay, yeah, we have adult children now. I, my, my oldest just turned 30. It's crazy because I'm 45, I know. But <laughs> Kayla just turned 30. And, uh, you know, so we go, we go all the way down to 25 as well, kinder in the middle. And, you know, it is a, an amazing thing to look back on our lives. And I know for Lori and I, we, we chose to homeschool our girls not because of like, yeah, that many years back, we were concerned about some of the stuff coming out in public school, but nothing like today. Um, we just wanted more time to influence their faith. And we realized that in our home, we had the luxury of doing this, we could bring our faith, we could bring the Bible into every topic we taught in our home. And we knew that the public school wasn't going to do that. And we knew that, that there were some challenges even in private schools. And so we made the sacrifice. We said, Lord, you are staying home in this season. And this is what we're going to do. I was the principal of the school. And, and, uh, and trust me, there's a, there's a role to be played in that. And then that's when we began to encounter other people around here as yourselves that wanted to homeschool. And before long, we had uh, you know, a lot of families that... We all believe the same thing, and we've always looked at this, for the most part, most of the families that come around here, 
and homeschoolists now look at it as, as ministry. It's a chance, it's an opportunity for us to influence the faith of our kids if we have that luxury. So just wherever that might be, you might be a full-time working mother, full-time working father, full-time working family, and go, I wish I could do that, I can't do that. Ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what can I do as I'm working? What can we do on the weekends? Jay was talking early about, even as his kids are adult kids now, and they're, my, my kids have pretty much moved out of the house and whatnot, but except for Kayla, she's still, she's still flying, she's still close, you know. But uh, that, that time of, of having those faith talks mm-hmm. still in the home and opening the Bible and praying together and getting them to, to now take ownership of their faith. Yeah. And how cool that is when we see our kids grab a hold of that. Yeah, I, I was mentioning that, you know, for those of you parents that are out there, you take advantage of those opportunities to, you know, when you're having a holiday, you're having um, just whether it just be at night before going to bed, uh, take that time as to talk about how God has moved in your life and uh, what we can gather from what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, that you're looking at the parents' faith of, of them exercising this, this faith and letting Moses go, but how God blessed them way more in return. And those are the things that need to be communicated to our kids. How has God moved in your life? And, and oftentimes for myself and my wife, uh, those are the things that we're talking about. We're sitting there and recounting those things. Just like in the, the feasts in, in uh, Israel, a lot of those feasts, when we celebrate Passover here, we have kids up here on stage, and they're asking questions because it was an opportunity for the parents, for the men to go and tell them, well, this is how God was faithful. This is what God did in our lives and how important it is to, to pass on that heritage. You know, and there's a lot of discouragement you know, for you as a parent as you, know, you look at your kids and sometimes you kind of have the sense of, man, you know, are we really doing what's right? And uh, two nights ago, <laughs> two nights ago, uh, myself and my wife were sitting there and uh, she was, I think, a little overwhelmed with a few things and just kind of a little discouraged and like, well, what are we really teaching our kids? What, what you know, are we really showing them? Are we being a, a good example for them? And I just said, let's ask them. Let's pull them all together and let's ask them. And so we pull them all together and be, we normally pray uh, every night before uh, we all go to bed. You don't have to, to the rest of this, Jay, if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and so <clears throat> we're sitting there and just went one by one. What do you think, what would you say that is a priority uh, in our home? Like what have we communicated to you as a priority? And one of my sons said, well, family, you had mentioned before uh, just how mom has always had a strong desire to get family together and making sure, and my wife has done that, making sure holidays are special and making sure everybody's together and doing above and beyond on all that. And that's been really important. And then uh, my other two sons, they said, our relationship with God. And I just looked at my wife and I said, okay, that's coming from them. And we may feel discouraged and there's times when we think that we're not getting through. Or again, you may be thinking you're a bad example because various things happen in a home. Um, but don't discount what God's able to do. And just be faithful. Be faithful in those things. Yeah, and, and you might have some prodigals out there. You might have some children that are grandchildren that are not walking with the Lord. Um, 
and, and, and man, ask the Lord for ways to just show them his love. A- ask for ways to have faith talks with them. Start asking questions again. And um, Don't just make it about, you need to get back in church. You need to be re- just start talking about the Lord with them. Pray with them. Let them know you love them. Um, bring it back to those, uh, those faith talks. Um, you might be listening online and say, man, I don't, I don't have parents that uh, have, have introduced me to the Lord or are bringing me along in my faith. And that is a, a heavy thing on our heart here. I know that over the years we've got lots of, of, of folks that come here, younger people that come here that say that, and, and we pretty much adopt them. We, just, we bring them into our, our, our bo- the body life here and love them and bring them along. And oftentimes it's the faith of a child that will infect uh, the parent. And we see that a lot as well. So if that's you and you're a younger uh, individual and you're like, man, my parents aren't walking with the Lord, they don't know the Lord, well, may it begin with you. Um, what the writer of Hebrews is really putting the spotlight on is how infectious persevering faith, genuine faith really is. And obviously it's from the parent illustrated to uh, that of a child, but it can work the other way around as well. So I just give you a word of encouragement as well. Don't underestimate any of you how God can use your faith to influence people younger, same age, or even older than you as well. Uh, that's the way that God works. Um, Francis, why don't you read verses 24 through 26, and we'll jump into that. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. So I made a note on that on Sunday. I just said, you know, true persevering faith is, it's courageous. And for uh, Moses, he probably uh, refers now to Moses when he's in his maybe early to mid-20s. He's lived in Pharaoh's house for some time now, and he would be recognized, and he would be given the title. Oh, that's, they wouldn't say Moses. They'd say, that's the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And that royal designation, you know, to any of us would be like, whoa, that would be kind of cool to be the king's grandson. That would be cool to have your mom as the daughter of Pharaoh, a princess. The royalty that would be, uh, you know, given to you and ascribed to you and the palace life that would be afforded to you. Um, you know, today in this day and age, you know, people who haven't really found true meaning, the, the truest of meaning, which is found in a relationship with God, amen, through his son, Jesus Christ, um, they're trying to find meaning in the, the identity that, that the world says, now that's happening. Look at that Hollywood celeb. Look at that famous rapper. Look at that, you know, famous athlete. Look at the money they have, the house they have. And, and the world, apart from God, has its idols, the people that they worship and go, wow, I want to be just like that. And, and the, 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 the desire is to be that. 
And, and the desire from people who don't know God would be like, if I could trade places and have everybody you know, worship me and applaud me and give me, esteem me as royal and, and, and happening, I would take that. But <clears throat> Moses, it says he's like, he refused that, that he, would, he just did not want the world putting that on him. And the only reason he would not want the world putting that on him is he found something better. He found something more meaningful. He found something that was like way more important than being the grandson of Pharaoh. And all that that would have afforded you in life. And it goes on to say what that is. But it was very courageous to, to deny that. Choosing rather, in verse 26, to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And in my notes, I'm like, well, persevering faith does something. It's not only courageous, but it also causes a believer to hold the right values and to make the right decisions. You want to speak to that, any of you guys? Yeah, when he, uh, here it's saying when he becomes of age, he gets to the point where he's making his own decision. And, and you look at what's going to be more attractive for him. Uh, he has the world and all that it has and his position. He has everything there that would attract anybody. But what's more attractive is, is what the Hebrew children had. And that was the, uh, his, the sense and the understanding that, that God is real as as we can, again, assume from coming from his parents and that heritage, that when he became of age, that became more attractive because that was his identity. His identity wasn't wrapped up in, in what he could do as, as Pharaoh, what he can do in the household and what he grew up in. And you, know, you think about this and how it relates to us today. And, you know, for us as we are, our kids are getting older and and it's important to, to build that, that sense of God and, and to communicate the things like Pharaoh's, or as uh, Moses' parents did, because our hope and our desire is that they'll choose the Lord went, because they're all going to be put in that same situation. They're all going to become of age one day, and they're going to be in places where they're going to have to make those decisions. And we're going to have to trust that what we do as parents is going to translate into uh, them making a real choice and them choosing to identify with Jesus Christ rather than choosing to identify with anything the world would have to offer. Yeah, you know, um, verse 23 can almost be wrapped up in saying, because of the faith of Moses' parents, Moses, when he became of age, you know, it's just a, it's just a continuation of that that Moses chose these things because he was taught these things. And when we think about what we've talked about homeschooling and, and we've done that, well, Moses' parents, like, they went to the very edge. They went, it, talk, it talks about, they couldn't, they couldn't hide them any longer. Mm-hmm. So they built that. Then they sent the daughter. And then they, they brought him back into the house and, and weaned him. And so he, they, I just picture them like, let's pour God into this kid until he's taken away from us. And 
we, we have to trust. This is such a faith building for any parent that, man, can you imagine giving your kid up from age three to five and saying, all right, we've, we've given them God. <laughs> Let's give them over the world. That's what happened. But God was faithful with what they poured into him. And when he became of age, when he, he looked at the sin of the world, the sin, you know, uh, Egypt is a type of the world. And as we're saying, he didn't want to be in the world. He didn't want, he want, the, he didn't want the passing pleasures of sin. He looked to the reward. He looked to what his parents had showed him. You know, if you imagine thinking, I remember peace in my home. I remember a different God than all these other gods that you're showing me. My parents showed me this other God, and I like that better. I'm going to identify with that even, I'm I'm even going to get rid of, I'm going to turn my back to all these things that royalty affords me. And I'm going to, I am going to identify being a slave. You know, we, we can't miss this. The spotlight initially put on Moses' parents' faith. Now it's put on Moses, who's been impacted by his parents' faith. Faith. It's put on his faith. When he becomes of age, he's older. By faith, Moses, it says. So, you know, there are a lot of good people in this world that don't know God. There are a lot of good people who have been raised in good homes with good morals. But that's not what the spotlight is put on. There's a lot of people who make good moral choices. That's not what the spotlight is put on. The spotlight is put on where Moses placed his faith. I always say this. I'm going to say it 50 more times these studies. Our faith is only as good as that in which it is placed. So the writer of Hebrews is like, when, when, when somebody puts their faith in God and that influences a person around them, they will then have faith in God. And when they have faith in God, they're, they're going to follow God. They're going to follow his plan. I, I, I met with a guy today. We just we met a few days ago and he had some, some questions and you know, it was just a, a weird kind of crossing a pass, and uh, he just said some things. I was around some guys, listened to him talk, and he, he just kind of said something about the flood. And I go, oh, you must know the Bible. I'm just trying to find a lead in to talk about the Lord. He's like, I wish I did. And I said, you, you, wish, you wish you knew the Bible? And he goes, yeah. I go, I'll help you learn the Bible. And he goes, you're going to help me learn the Bible? And I said, he didn't know who I was. I said, yeah, I'll help you learn the Bible. And so we kind of set up another time. Okay, we're going to talk in a couple of days. He goes, yeah, we'll talk in a couple of days. So today was a day. I just sat down with a guy, a construction guy, just a, you know, a lunch. And he's like, so I really want to learn the Bible. And then he used some words that I wouldn't use to describe why he wanted to learn the Bible. And um, I go, okay, great. And I just asked a very simple question. I said, do you believe in God? And he goes, I actually do. I actually do. And he gave me his reasons, and they were valid reasons. The thing had happened in his life, and he really believed that there's a God. He wouldn't be alive today if God hadn't helped him through this. And I said, okay, great. I go, 
do you know him? And he looks at me and he goes, I wish I did. And I said, do you know how to know him? No. See, the other day you said you wish you'd learn, you knew the Bible. He's like, yeah. And I go, that's how he reveals himself to us. You see, you have faith. And I have faith. But I've, I've, I've been on this journey for a while where I'm like, I'm going to put my faith in God. In who? I've got to get to know him. I've got, to, I've got to be humble enough to say, I need God. And so we walked through what that was. We're born sinners. He agreed, I'm a sinner. And all I was doing was helping this guy understand who God was. And, and it, it just took a few minutes, maybe 50 minutes, and all of a sudden, he repeated back to me very simply, as I'm showing him scriptures, and I've sent him all these scriptures now today, and just simply explaining who God is, what God's plan is for his life, the, the, the gospel through the book of Romans, just simply we're sinners and, and, and we fall short of the glory of God and, 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 and who Jesus is and how you've got to put faith in him. We just went through the gospel. And we were done. He's like, this is what I need. This guy who had like no faith because he didn't know God now had greater faith. I was influencing him by, on my phone, I have a Bible app, turning it on, highlighting scriptures and going, read this. Because I believe that the, the very scriptures we read, as you do, are powerful enough to transform that guy's life, just like they're powerful enough to transform my life. And this is, this is what is being highlighted here. It's not just, wow, look at Moses, what such a, a rad de- guy this guy is. No. No, 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 no. It's the faith of this guy, who he placed his faith in. And that was modeled to him and nurtured to him in, in the rearing of his parents. And this faith became a very courageous faith. He's in the hall of faith. Courageous faith. And he's making the right decisions now. He's valuing the right things right now. Choosing rather like I would rather identify with God and his people than to identify with the world and all it affords me because it's just passing away. It's just a temporary pleasure. This guy I was talking with today was being honest with me about his struggles. And if you're honest about your struggles, you know that if you're struggling with anything in the world, whatever that might be, drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it might be, that there's always reaching for more of that. Because that void that you're trying to fill needs to be filled by God. And until you try and until you fill it with him, you're gonna try and fill it with everything else. So not, it's not just the one party, that fades away. I need the next party. It's not just this high, that fades away. I need the next high. It's not just this romantic, lustful thing. That fades away. I need the next one. And until God comes into our life and we put our faith in Jesus Christ and he becomes our fulfillment, we're going to be chasing things that just pass away. So true saving faith today. This is New Testament written the book of Hebrews, to to Christians. True saving faith today, faith in Jesus Christ today, 
is going to breed up within us a courage to say no to the world, to see sin as it is, a passing pleasure at best, an unfulfilling thing at best, a temporary fulfilling thing at best. And it's going to look at the plan that the world offers us, and that plan is going to lose its bling as we begin to look at the plan that God has for us, which involves even, as it says here, it goes on to talk about even heaven. Instead, choosing to suffer affliction with the, 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 the people of God, verse 16, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Let me just unpack that quickly. The writer of Hebrews is writing about identifying with the people of God. The people of God have always been the people of the Messiah. And the greater riches that are afforded to the people of God because of the Messiah is is salvation and eternal life. And by, by looking at the plan of God without seeing it fulfilled, remember again, faith is living in confidence. And just this confidence that what God said he will do even before the fulfillment of the promise is the promise is fulfilled. Moses doesn't even know the extent of the promise. He just knows what God has revealed to him at that point in time in history related to the promise, the plan of redemption. And that plan of God, that life with God in identifying with his people, there was something about that that had a greater value in his heart as he sought God and, and, and developed the faith that his parents instilled in him than all of what Egypt and all of the wealth of Egypt could have ever offered him. Think of that. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Let's lift up Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus for ten chapters. Now, Faith in Jesus is believing what he said, the promises of God, and holding on to it and acting on it even before all of those promises are fulfilled. The example I gave is how many of us here and the property or listening online believe you're going to heaven? We raise our hands. Yeah, I'm going to heaven. Why? You ever been there? If you say you, you have, I'll talk to you afterwards. I love, I love trippy stories. I've heard a few of them. <laughs> but you haven't. I haven't. But we believe that God will take us there. We believe that as Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you'll be with me also. We believe that promise. And we live our life. It drives us. It motivates us. That greater affection for heaven causes the bling of the world to lose its bling. That's the idea, the promises of God. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He looked for towards that reward. We've got to wind this down. One more, verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible.
think we had fun with this last time, so why don't you go first? Yeah, he forsook it. Not only did he say no, he forsook it. He completely turned his back on the world and um, talked about, it says here, not fearing and something we're going through in the counseling class. He's not talking about the feeling of fear because he did fear. He did have the feeling of fear, but he didn't obey that fear. He obeyed his faith even more so. And I, I love how it ends too. It's like he, he endured this faith and he, he forsook the fear and, and the wrath of the king. Enduring as seeing him who's invisible. If Jesus was with me, like he believed it so much, Jesus was walking right next to him as he's walking through these things in faith, disobeying the king, put my, put my back to the king and I'm not going to be called by his name, all these things. He believed that Jesus was right next to him. Even though he couldn't see him, it was that real to him. And he did have fear. We know that he, he, he it says that he had fear after he killed that, that, the, uh, the Egyptian that was doing that, but he didn't obey the fear. And I believe that, that, that God's talking about that faith is, and he's, he's commending him for that because, because of his obedience to the faith, not the fear. Yeah, fear did not define Moses nor dictate what he would do. No. His faith in God. God did. And, you know, we're living in some very interesting days. I mean, most of the conversations I'm having with people um, off of our property that I run into Christians that go to other churches or our church, used to go to our church, or maybe online audience, um, fear is the topic. And it's, it's, for some, it's a justifiable fear. They have some health issues, underlying health issues or whatnot, and, and they're elderly and, and, and the virus and Others, it's, it's a lawlessness, and they're like, I can't handle California. i got to get out of here. And, and, uh, and, and fear can really define a person and, and, and hold back a person from what God has, has called them and desires them to be. And I would just encourage you, you know, even here, or, um, if, if you're in, at home, what now, you're listening, and, 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 and fears just gripped you. It's, you know, with Moses, it was like, he, he, he sensed God and, and, and saw God in his life to a point where we would maybe parallel, parallel that today with saying, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going to put, up, put on some worship music if I've been like held back by fear. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to God about this fear and I'm going to ask them, I'm going to ask God, is this, is this of you? Is this from you? What I've been doing, this takes faith. God, is it right? Is it wrong? Am I, am I walking in your will? Am I following your plan? Or am I following the plan that falls in line with the narrative of our day, but not in line with your word and what you would want for me today? I, I would encourage you, man. Just have that heart-to-heart with God. And... and be okay with allowing your faith in God to dictate your day and define who you are. I shared last study how um, there's been many missions trips we've been on and disaster relief trips we've been on. And we're like, we find ourselves in some situations where it takes some faith. 
And I, I gave an illustration of, you know, we had a, a trip with a bunch of guys in, in Colombia, and uh, we were going to go on and speak in, in several areas of, of Colombia. And two weeks before the trip, the, the, we, we went, the, the drug cartel blew up a bunch of vehicles in, in Bogota and was like, our, our embassy there said, you know, we don't want any Americans coming in right now. It was a big deal, but we felt God was calling us to go. We're not just being all cavalier about it. We just felt like God's calling us to go. So we got over there and um, ministered in a couple different areas. And then there was one area we had to fly to. And uh, there's about 10 of us. And we, we went to this really small airport. And we, we, we looked out, you know, out on the runway at this plane. And the, the plane had to be built in like 1960. And, it, the, you know, both engines were running. And there's smoke coming out of the engines. And the pilot, he comes walking out. And his uniform didn't match. And and, and I'm like, and I said to a couple of the pastors, I'm like, hey, uh, you know, should we, what are you guys thinking? And we all had, we all had real fear. We had fear of getting on that airplane. And one of the guys is like, hey, didn't God give us messages? Didn't he speak to your heart, Lance, when you were prepping for the guys out here in this other? Well, yeah, he gave me a message. Well, then I think if he gave you the message, he wants you to deliver the message. Get on the plane. I'm like, all right. So we got on a plane, and, and, and we made it there, and, and this thing took off. It was, you know, we, we flew. It was this big old DC whatever, and, and, and we landed, and, and we were there for three or four days. And, and God really built our faith because we stepped out in faith. And I, I remember I was all excited to get back on the plane on the way back. I was like, yeah, give me that plane. Bring it on. You know, it's like, this is great. I just want to get home probably. But it was like, okay. And, and, I, and I'll never forget about two weeks after we were home, we got a call from the brothers over there, and that plane and that pilot was shot down and, and by the drug cartel, and, and it was sobering. But it was our faith in God and what God had called us to be and called us to do that put us through, that brought us through that season. And, you know, this, this, this COVID thing that has happened, this pandemic, is not something that God would want to define us or or direct us. He would want to define us and direct us and have his word, his spirit, his love. He wants to direct us and define us through this season. So persevering faith, that last point is it does not give in to fear. A couple more points. You can go back and listen to the study online, but uh, uh, Jay and Francis have talked too long tonight, so uh, our time is, is up. But uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Jay, Jay got to pray us out in the last one. So, Francel, why don't you take a moment and uh, speak to our online audience, people here. There might be some people here that need to accept the Lord and just kind of throw out that opportunity. Sure. Um, if you haven't accepted the Lord and don't know what that is, um, or you're a believer and um, find yourself in a place where you would want to walk back with the Lord, that's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And um, the presence of the Lord is with you. But in Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And so you want, you, you want that conviction to turn into refreshment. You need to accept Jesus. You need to, the, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned 
and have fallen short of the glory of God. And the, the wages of sin are death, the Bible says. But through Jesus, who's paid the price, we could have salvation. That's what he's talking about, repenting, that we would turn from our sins and turn to Jesus. So I'm going to pray with you if you guys want to pray with me um, because you want to accept the Lord, you want to come back to the Lord. Love to do that. Father God, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for turning away from you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for sending your son Jesus. And I, I do turn away from my sin to you. And I do accept you as my Lord and Savior, that you would direct me, you would guide me, you would love me, you would protect me. And I pray that times of refreshment would come by your presence, Lord. So in your way, thank him, appreciate him, dig into his word, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Jay, Francel, thank you very much. If you did pray that prayer and accept Jesus into your life, please give us a call here at the church. Love to give you a Bible. Uh, help you through your walk. Whatever uh, questions you might have, we'd love to give you uh, some biblical guidance uh, as it relates to your questions. We're here for you. So uh, God bless you.